Support for Elwood City Limits is made possible by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Email. Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. And by subscribing on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. Thank you. And, and my free time. Well, hey there. Welcome back to Elwood City Limits. This is the uh, episodic Arthur podcast after a, after a week or so of being off the air. Well, I'm so thirsty. I, I'm so thirsty and you want to know why? Why's that? There's a content drought. It's a drought and I'm thirsty. Thirsty for that sweet, sweet Arthur podcast content. Well, that's my co-host, Lucas Mancini, and my name is Will Young. Thanks a lot for, uh, for bearing with us through the, uh, through the content drought. Uh, Lucas and I both ended up uh, being ill at different times, and thankfully with different things, because you, uh, you had some uh, throat problems there. and, yeah, the, and the throat fin- infection. The flu, and that, that seems to have uh, spread to other people in the office. I just got away with a cold that was annoying, but uh, thankfully didn't uh, affect the throat too much. But as you can imagine, being trapped in this little box with microphones together, not the uh, best scenario for trying to stay healthy when both of us were sick. Goodness, Especially no. when our jobs involve talking. Yes, absolutely. So we're back. That's the good news. And, of course, we're here to bring you another episode. Thank you very much for uh, joining us for this one. And if this is your first one, welcome. Welcome to Elwood City Limits. Tell a friend. We'd love to keep this podcast going, and so we will. But... Before we get started on uh, the episodes in question, so I j- was just bouncing around. I decided to put a Google alert on uh, the on Arthur, awesome. the system Arthur. So anytime there's a new Arthur uh, entering into Google, then I get something. And I found uh, an article that was celebrating uh, Arthur's birthday this year, uh, 20 years of Arthur since it started in 1996, and here we are in 2016. Wow, the exact 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And so the article was very interesting. It was premiering the upcoming, I believe it's the 20th season of Arthur that is going to be on. And they had a couple of, uh, they had an infographic that had some interesting uh, facts about the Arthur TV show. And I wanted to run a couple of them past you. So uh, again, premiered in 1996 and currently is TV's longest running animated children's series. So I think earlier, I want to say in the first episode, we were like, it was like PBS's second longest running series besides Sesame Street. But the thing that Arthur has over Sesame Street is that it's animated. Mm-hmm. So this is still going, albeit in a bit of a different in a bit of a different form, uh, because now it's through fl- a, a different t- style of animation. And uh, PBS is no longer has Sesame Street as well. It's on HBO now. That's correct. Sesame Street still airing though in one in one form or another. Yeah, syndicated. Arthur is broadcast in over eighty countries, averages seven million viewers per month, and over thirteen million streams per month. Uh, it has been nominated for twenty two Emmys and has earned seven Emmy wins in its twenty years. Oh, I'll I wonder to, what years though. Yeah, I'm gonna Emmy, I'm gonna have to go Emmys. back and I'm gonna have to IMDb that and uh, double check that we didn't miss any already, and uh, I'll get back to you in the next episode. Ooh, I'm so curious to know what what were the uh, the lauded episodes <laughs> that won actual like awards. Uh, one million Facebook followers Arthur has, myself included. <laughs> Arthur's PBS website has over 161 million website visits. 
reports from 2008 to today. That's all people. That's 100% people using that comic creator to get up to some bad business. For filthy, filthy purposes. And ranked as one of the 50 greatest cartoon characters of all time by none other than TV Guide. Huh. I wonder where he ranks on that list. That's a good question. I might have to dig that up myself, but... uh, I don't know. I would maybe have to say somewhere in the middle just because he's dealing with a lot of legacy characters in there, like your Flintstones, Jetsons, mm-hmm. and the Simpsons, and all that sort of stuff. But still, some very gri- some very cool uh, Arthur Arthur stats there uh, as we go into 20 years of Arthur. I was kind of looking ahead to what the new season has, and I will say there is one that caught my eye, and it kind of made me wish that we could go forward 20 seasons into our own show because apparently in this upcoming season, Buster – Starts a podcast. No. I guess so. That's crazy. I knew Arthur was topical these days, mm-hmm. but I didn't know it was that topical. I imagine I imagine now that they're using that uh, that more Flash style of animation, it's probably in the, in the same vein as something like South Park. It allows them to make episodes faster than through hand animation, so maybe they get to talk about stuff like that now. Next, Binky's going to be starting a Patreon. <laughs> To do what? What is I, what? What is he? What is he I don't doing? know. Binky's like Instagram account. He's gonna be holding pictures. Buy no. this. Buy this cleanse tea. I'm Binky. Oh no, Muffy's got the Instagram. Oh account. yeah, you know Muffy's got that Instagram account. Absolutely. She got that Instagram money. Okay, here's a question: If you could follow one Arthur character on Twitter, it's the brain. He'd be like Neil deGrasse Tyson. You think so? Oh yeah, totally. I was gonna say either Arthur's dad or Oliver Frensky. Oh, getting get, e- get, get those dad tweets. I didn't even consider the adult characters. I have to read. Uh, I might stick with the brain. I feel like the brain would he would use Twitter to its highest. I feel like Arthur's dad would be like a dad who doesn't really understand how Twitter works. But that's what would make it great. Yeah, ooh, I'll have to I'll have to think on that. I would subscribe to Mr. Ratburn's YouTube channel for the same reason that you might follow the brain on Twitter. And th- Fern's Tumblr. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> that's a good one. Okay, <laughs> all right. So, who would you follow? Which Arthur character would you follow on which social media? We'd love to know. Give us an email. Okay, so it's been it's been a minute since we kicked it, and it's time for us to get back into it. So, the episodes we have today, we're starting off with. Arthur's birthday. Now, no, you know what? I made I'm, I made an error because, as we have promised to do on this show, we have promised that if you rate and review us on iTunes, we will read it here on the show. And I would be remiss if I forgot about this one. We got a new review. By the way, we have eight five star reviews on uh, on iTunes. Heck so- yeah! If we were an Uber driver. Everybody would be clamoring to get in our car. So thank you, everybody, who has given us an iTunes review. We really appreciate it. The latest was made just about a week ago from Cola 45 <laughs> and it's titled Best Arthur Podcast Out There. Cola says, if you're looking for an absolutely great Arthur podcast, hop on this one. The in-depth reviews and analysis is super interesting, and the two hosts have great stories of their own to go along with it. As someone who listens along without watching the episodes beforehand, these two describe the episodes perfectly to allow me to have a burst of nostalgia and have the whole episode done right back to me. A-plus podcast. Oh, that was so sweet. It was. I think we're doing something right. It's always nice to be... uh, uh, affirmed for what we're doing here. So thank you very much, Cola 45 and to everybody who has uh, who continues to support us. We really, really do appreciate it. And, like, I was having a really bad day 
when I checked iTunes and to see that new review there, it, like it instantly perked me up. Like it was such a such a great mood boost. And I say it all the time, but I can't stress enough: the best way to help us out is leaving those reviews on iTunes. Whatever sentient robot that decides which podcasts rise to the top and which ones fail miserably mm-hmm. that's absolutely based on how many reviews it gets on the iTunes page mm-hmm. so that helps us out so much and I also want to thank our cola for I never considered people who don't actually watch the episodes and it's really good to hear that we do a good enough job of uh, explaining the plot that you're not just totally mm-hmm. lost without having seen the episode for sure All right, let's get into it for real now. It's Arthur's birthday. Now, this is interesting because I've mentioned before my memory of Arthur episodes is somewhat frightening considering what I (laughs) – the things that I don't remember. But when I started this, I felt like I was flying blind because I forgot all about this opening. I forgot all about this episode to be honest with you. So it was like a lot of it was flying blind. So isn't that interesting because I had the exact opposite feeling. You... Usually I'm the one who's forgotten more of the episode. Right. But uh the thing that I remember the most about this one specifically is this cold open. Oh, yeah. Like this was the part that was most vivid for me and then there were smatterings throughout the rest of the episode that I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember that." But this cold open, I remember well, we might as well get right into it. Well, it's it involves Arthur and Francine splinter selling their way uh, to uh, Muffy's palatial estate uh, to get her some sort of invitation, and uh, Muffy then is headed to the mailbox. Arthur and Francine seem to want to do this on the DL, so they're trying to sneak it in there, trying to uh, avoid all the ducks doing lawn work. Yeah, they have new grass. Have that we, they're... Yeah, they're rolling out the grass. Have we have we seen ducks before? I'm I'm not sure if we've seen the I think we've seen like we've commented before on non-anthropomorphic ducks yes. and I think I brought up that's weird because there's like real ducks later on in the show and yeah. here's our real ducks. I also thought it was weird that all the workers are ducks. I don't know what that says about ducks I, being the working I'm, class. I'm thinking it's more of a family business scenario. Oh, kind of like the moose squad. Sure. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Whereas it's like the catering done for the Moose Club. This is like Duckworth and Sons. Okay, I see. Or, or, Duckworth and Sons. Or something. I like their uh, their third album's not as good as their other two albums, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> I get it. Muffy's coming to the mailbox, and Arthur tries to hide behind a tree like nice hiding spot, Arthur. Very, mm, very cartoony of you, Arthur. So, of course, the cold open is that Arthur's afraid he might get caught. Oh, no, will he? So it's a little bit in medias res. Uh, into the episode. The beginning of the episode proper is Arthur handwriting his invitations to his birthday party. Did you ever do this when you were a kid? Did you handwrite your invitations? I was going to ask you the exact same thing. No, I never even sent out birthday invitations. I think I just like called up all my friends and said, hey, come at this date. And of course, nobody would do this these days. I'm sure eight-year-olds all have their Facebook RSVPs, like 800 people checking maybe, and then like 40 people show up, the same as us adults. So there really isn't, besides weddings, I feel like there's not a lot of events that get the paper invitation treatment these days. Um, A lot of my birthdays did involve me uh, not writing out the invitations. We would get like pre-printed ones, and I would just be like to whoever from Will, and just be like, please come at this point. And so, you know, I would fill them all out, and it would only be about maybe eight, maybe ten and uh, But it's funny, as we go on here, there's a lot of party planning that goes into Arthur's birthday, and a lot of it reminded me 
of my own time as a kid of getting ready for a birthday. So it was nostalgic in the sense that it reminded me of things I forgot that I did when I was young. So Arthur's writing out invitations and DW kind of starts writing out her own because she's, she asks Arthur how to spell party. And then Arthur says, your birthday's not for six months. So now we understand that Arthur and DW are born on different sides of the year. Now, when that is, not sure from what the show has tell- told us. It's probably not the winter time. Like, Arthur, at least. Yeah. Just Arthur, judging from Arth- the weather in this episode. Arthur seems to be spring-summer, which would mean that DW would probably be somewhere in late fall, early winter. Interesting. But we'll have to see. Maybe we'll get a date at some point. Um, so DW starts writing her invitations because, of course, she can't she can't write, so it'll right. take her a lot longer. So might as well get a jump on them now. I thought that was kind of cute. Uh, so Arthur goes downstairs. We get a little vignette of Arthur's mom and pal having a bit of a struggle over a towel. And this this line from DW really made me laugh. She says, look at that dog. He's eating a towel. DW ever literal. Uh, that's exactly what's happening. Look at, but it, not even look at pal. He's eating a towel. Look I, at that dog. I, yeah, I, did, I really like the look at that dog. <laughs> Like, she really doesn't. And so I take this as kind of maybe a little bit after Pal's been trained. He's still a little rough around the edges. Still still uh, a little bit of a, like his mom says, a little scamp. So Arthur takes him over to the calendar, kind of counts the days with Pal's paw. He's got, like, four days till his birthday. And it's it also reminded me of being a kid of, like, the excitement of birthdays. Like, how there was, it was a big to-do, and it really felt something special. Whereas where you and I are adults now, and not to say that you can't get excited about your birthday, but it does, I find that birthdays now are also kind of coupled with a feeling of, like, ugh, if I want to do something, then I have to plan it. But I wish <laughs> people would plan it for me, but they, they're not mind readers and all this sort of like back and forth of like, I want to celebrate my birthday, but also I don't want to look like a huge egotist, you know? Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, on TV, people are having surprise parties constantly. All the time. All the time. All the time. And the problem is you can't say that you want a surprise party because then, of course, it's not a surprise party. You couldn't walk into a room, a dark room when you were a kid on your birthday week without thinking that it would be a surprise party. But in my case, never came. No? And I've never even attended a surprise party for another person, let alone myself. Me neither. But I'll tell you what, maybe because I'm compensating for that and I'm trying to live out my dreams that I saw on television, I try and hold on to that little piece of my youth in terms of having being excited for my birthday. Mm. Like, And it does kind of come off as egotistical at this age, but I try and make it this big pompous circumstance. Mm-hmm. I really do. Like, I'll always try to put a video together with some friends that I show right. people on my birthday to commemorate it. I try and get people to get together and plan a few activities here and there. Uh, I still try and hold on that little piece of it being special because, like, Christmas isn't really that special for me anymore besides getting to see my family, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But there's not really a Lucas Day. And as egotistical as that is, I, I, I'm very self-aware about it. Yeah. But I think that's part of the joke. And I think all my friends are in on that joke as well. Like, oh, here's the day where Lucas is like, in my birthday. <laughs> Picture, like, 21-year-old me in my sailor suit, like, shrunken sailor suit a giant lollipop just going it's my birthday that's essentially the vibe i go for with it, it. It's, and it's quite an evocative image I'll give yeah um yeah i mean and i'm also not really a good planner so like i don't like to plan my own birthday parties because i always end up with these huge 
holes with like in just in the entire idea. Like I said, 800 people check maybe on the Facebook RSVP and then none of them show up. Listen, guys, it doesn't hurt my feelings. If you're not going to show up, just pick no. Stop checking maybe on like eight Facebook RSVPs. You're not going to all these shows. Some of them are on the same night. It's that easy. Uh, so Arthur and DW and his mom are now to go to the part, go to buy party supplies, which was also always pretty fun. Uh, see, there's a couple of cute little things there. Uh, DW sees a square balloon and says, "How do you get square balloons?" And the answer is, "Blow square breaths." I was thinking, like, is this physically possible? Could there be a square balloon? Why are you looking at me like that? Okay. I know you don't blow square breaths, no, no, obviously. You, no, okay, the second part of that question saved it because because the, you said I said blow square breaths. You said is that oh. po- is that possible? And I was going to be like, no. But <laughs> then you followed it up with, can you b- blow square balloons? I'm almost positive. Like there's got to be some kind of light, just balloon like, balloon mold or whatever. Yeah, like some sort of light material, like a a skeleton within the plastic, yeah. and then mm-hmm. it makes it that shape. Got to be. There's, there's gotta a be. running joke now in Arthur where people will go into a store. And they'll see an object that looks like Mr. Haney. So I picked up on this. So what is it with the Mr. Haney brand? That's what I said. There's like these weird. You're like, talking. You're talking about Binky on Patreon. No, Mr. Haney has <laughs> got to be the one that's blowing up social media. He's got his. He's got his likeness on. Like what? It was an action figure, right? Was he, was, like, like, was he in like a '70s pop band <laughs> that like had a one-hit wonder, and then he sold his likeness rights? Or because maybe, he's on a transformer in another episode. He's, maybe it's like that Simpsons episode where uh, there's the Homer stuff in Japan. Oh, I, Mr. Sparkle. Yeah, Mr. Sparkle. Maybe there is a very similar situation going on with Mr. Haney where he's big in China. And so all these Chinese companies are producing this Mr. Haney merchandise. Well, it's a weird running joke, though, right? Because like, I feel like it's a joke that the writers – it's an inside joke for them, like, where can we stick at Mr. Haney? Because someone will look at the Mr. Haney merchandise, and they'll kind of go, like, they'll do a double take. Like, Arthur, characters in the show will be like, huh, that's weird. But like, the, they'll make a face, but then they'll just go on with their lives. Just let it go. If this happens again, I'm going to have some major questions. We're going to have to follow this up. <laughs> I have a feeling that it will, but I now I think we need a Mr. Haney prequel episode. Like, hopefully they got that idea in season 16, or goodness knows when, but... I would love a Mr. Haney prequel episode. Yeah, what was Mr. Haney's first life? That guy seems like he lived a life. Yeah. Well, I mean, just seeing leisure Mr. Haney in the last episode in his shorts and T-shirt, I was like, I bet that guy could party. He's a fascinating dude. Absolutely. He's a fascinating dude. So we go back to the house. Just wanted to know there's a cute little visual gag with Kate where she kind of gets her baby food all over her mouth. I thought just thought that was really cute. Like, I noticed there's kind of a bit more of an innocence to this episode. There's a bit of a simplicity to everything. Kind of like with the pet business episode where it's like you kind of have DW, a lot of her lines are like, here's the next thing that's going to happen. And it kind of, it all. There's a dog eating a towel. Right. She kind of had that one. And this one is kind of like, there's not a whole lot of stakes until like halfway through the episode. And even then, it's just kind of like, it's very, you know what? This kind of felt a lot like, like 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 I was watching a children's cartoon. It is. You know it's saying? an it's an Arthur episode, right? So I found that 
<laughs> yeah, no but but I mean it's an episode centered around the character Arthur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the writers, I find they get more out there with a lot of the other characters. Mm-hmm. I feel like they try some risky things with Binky. They try some risky things with Buster specifically. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Arthur and in the next episode of Francine, those are when they really go back to their super roots, roots the most basic morals, the more basic kids yeah. drama. Uh, it's with the extended cast that they start to get crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll have to keep that in mind. Arthur's got all his invitations as he goes to school, gives it uh, Binky, uh, Buster, Brain, and then went for Francine, who's super ex- excited for Spin the Bottle, which at this point I wondered if she knew what that meant as we continued on into the episode. Yeah, like... Did you ever play Spin the Bottle? No. Well... I don't think so. The implication here is weird because I don't understand, like, why an eight-year-old would want to play spin the bottle except that they saw it on television. This is another case where, like, I think I learned what spin the bottle was from Arthur. I did, too. And I played it once at a birthday, and I was terrified because I didn't How old, though? Like I was, like— Eight, like seven, yeah, seven or eight. That's like kind of really strange young. to but, me. But the thing was is that it wasn't a spin the bottle game where you kissed. It was a spin the bottle and then you get a prize or something. And oh. I was just like, and I was like, which saying it out loud right now, especially if it's like adults facilitating a spin the bottle game, super I, sketch. I feel like that's not the implication. If, if I may borrow a, a Lucas Mancini ism, super <laughs> sus. Like, I, I, way I, sus. I, it is totes sus, but, like, I think Spin the Bottle is kind of level even, one <laughs> of seven minutes in heaven. You know what I mean? Like, you go we don't up. E- we don't even have a sus because he's got a perf L. Sorry. I'm really, I'm really sorry to have interrupted you for that. Uh, no no problem. Please continue. Um, but, like, it's like Spin the Bottle's level one, and then, like, three levels down is like seven minutes in heaven. You know what I mean? Mm. I think it's, like, one of those games where... Spin the bottle just, it facilitates bad news, whether it's drinking or whether it's smooching. Those are like the only two things you could do with spin the bottle or daring, I guess. Like those are the three outcomes. The bottle lands on you, you drink. The bottle lands on you, you smooch. The bottle lands on you, I'm going to dare you to do this horrible thing. I feel like it's an adult game for like teen movies and John Hughes kind of stuff. Well, and in children's media, especially when we were younger, it was always kind of coded as like the girl thing. Because it's like, oh, the girls want to kiss the boys. But it's like, that's not necessarily true. Like. And I feel I'd like ne- I never w- I went to a couple of girls' birthdays when I was younger. We never played spin the bottle. I don't think that was even something that entered girls' minds necessarily. And that's another that thing age. why I think this is weird is because mm. it's Francine who wants to play spin yeah. the bottle. Like that would make more sense for Muffy to do it. Now, of course, Muffy's character is up to other stuff in this episode, mm-hmm. so they really couldn't give her this trait if they wanted to do this gag. Right. But it seems like it doesn't fit the Francine character that she would have this weird obsession. And I mean an obsession with Spin the Bottle because it's literally like the main thing she's excited for at these two birthday parties. She goes, oh, we get to play Spin the Bottle. Like that's the highlight of Arthur's birthday for her. If I were to guess, it may have just been like either hearing about it from her older sister or seeing it on TV. Like not maybe not – maybe she doesn't totally understand it, but we'll kind of – See about that later. Uh, Binky has a quick aside to Arthur of it's not too late to uninvite her. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of is, Binky. Why don't you send out the invitation? It's a little rude to take it back. Right. Uh, So the main conflict, in quotation marks, comes when Arthur and Muffy invite each other to their party, and they're both on Saturday in the afternoon. So that's what Muffy's party is. We're competing between birthday parties with every 
main-ish character in the class that we're inviting. They both have great arguments, too. It's so, tough to decide between these two parties. That's right. Everybody's torn because uh, Muffy's big thing is that she has a rock band and Pickles the Clown. And they've been to- booked for a month. That's why she can't reschedule is because they've had Pickles the Clown, who is, I assume, very much in demand. Well, because Buster says, you got Pickles the Clown? He did my cousin's wedding. <laughs> have you ever heard tell? Of Buster calls him a genius. That's have true. Buster heard, does call you, him a genius. Have you ever heard of a clown that was so good at what he did, you'd want him at your wedding? Certainly not in 2016, Will, no. No, God, goodness, no. That's a recipe for disaster. Disaster indeed. You don't know what kind of malevolence er, yeah, and yeah. murder you're inviting with a clown at your wedding. That's a v- viral video waiting. That's a world star hip-hop video waiting to happen. Yo, bro, I'm at this wedding, bro. Uh, look behind the cake, man. What is that guy doing? That, guy, that guy's that guy's dressed as a clown. Hey, hey, man! Don't you know people people are getting beat up for stuff like this? Oh my God! He's coming out! He's got a knife! He's got a like. That's a, it's recipe. a prank, bro. It's a prank, bro. It's a prank, bro. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't be inviting clouds at your wedding unless you want to see a wedding turned to disaster for real. And Arthur's draw is that his cousins are coming all the way from Ohio, which one down. 49 to go. Oh, you're so, right. So Elwood City Elwood City confirmed because he says they're coming all the way from Ohio. Oh, I so, wish we knew if they flew out or if they drove. Because if they drove, that'd be a huge clue. That's the thing. So, but we know, so we, we're starting to whittle it down. That's right. Elwood City, not located in Ohio. <laughs> you know, one of these you know, one of these days I'm thinking that we should make a video where we have like the map of America mm-hmm. and say like not Ohio, not Hawaii. We not need one of those uh Texas. We need, we need one of those giant iPads that they have on CNN presidential election coverage <laughs> where there's this one guy they have in the CNN newsroom and his whole job is you know, like he circles parts of this giant iPad yeah, that like has a te- the map like a of the United States. Or yeah, something. this pet map of the United States. This is a battleground state. We need that for this is not where Elwood City is. This is not where Elwood City is. I think we could fairly certain cross out Alaska, Hawaii, and Ohio. I think we know it's not one of those three. Okay, so 40, 47. Everywhere else is fair game. Yes. Is Puerto Rico a state? It's probably not Puerto Rico. <laughs> it, it's No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there. Not Puerto Rico. The shining stars do not hail from Elwood City. There's a, like, there's a couple of other ones that you could kind of make a reasonable, like, I'm pretty sure it's not like California. Pretty sure it's not like Texas. But... Need more proof. Need we, more proof. We need to know more where it could be and where it isn't. When uh, everybody hears the relatives are coming from Ohio, they go, ooh, Ohio. Ohio. And then B- later on, Binky's like thinking, and he's like, where's Ohio? Well, it's because it's, it's a great line. It's like, France, he's like, what are you thinking about? Francine's like, about whose party to go to. Why? What are you thinking about? Where's Ohio? <laughs> so if Binky doesn't know where it is, it can't be like right next. I guess we can't assume anything. The writers think Binky is pretty dumb. Sure. And then the episode gets into uh, uh, what we got, what we had in Arthur Goes to Camp. We get again here on his birthday. Gender Wars Part 2. Because we have the boys against the girls. The boys are... Uh, are resolving to go to Arthur's party, which Arthur's not really for. And Muffy is getting all the girls to go to her party, but Francine is adamant that parties are no fun without boys. Yeah, once again, like, whenever the boy-girl drama happens, the they're always careful to keep Arthur, like, 
out of the front line of being like super emotional about it because I think what they want kids to do is put themselves in Arthur's shoes and I think they want kids to make the conclusion ahead of time that hey all this boy girl nonsense really is like pretty silly well when you get down e- to well it. except for in Arthur goes to camp when they had that that entirely manufactured war by the fourth graders and Arthur yelled in a girl's face that this means war wrote home to his family that it's war so even he can get swept up in the the fervor of gender bias yeah man war is hell and that episode made that very clear absolutely Muffy lays down the gauntlet anyone who doesn't come to my party can't be my friend anymore (laughs) muffy kind of big on ultimatums as we'll go along she's very she's very resolute she's very final and there you go so uh there's a lot of a lot of tension here and of course what exacerbates the tension but a random gym teacher who calls for a tug of war this besuited gym teacher with the golden whistle yeah during recess I don't remember a lot of like scheduled events happening during recess in my time in elementary yeah, school yeah me neither of course it ends up being boys against girls and uh, you know they just do the tug of war thing top tip pro tip for tug of war yeah so- I want to talk about this okay Uh-oh. okay so in the tug of war we have the secret weapon at the back. We've got Binky, who ends up tying the rope to himself because he's the heaviest. And then Prunella at the back ends up tying the rope to part of the play structure. Okay, so what Binky does, it maybe isn't in the spirit of the law, but I don't think that's necessarily an illegal tug-of-rope maneuver. If while this struggle's happening, you are able to tie a knot around yourself and lean backwards... I don't endorse it, but I don't think that's a disqualification. What Prunella does straight up is cheating, and there's no if, ands, or buts about it. You can't just tie the rope to, like, the the equipment because then there's, you can't defeat. They're not going to, like, pull the equipment out of the ground. Well, I, th- I think that uh, both of them are suspect in their legality, but I agree with you that Prunella's maneuver is like double disapproved whereas mm-hmm. Binky's may just get a like a single X we're talking double X's with Prunella so of course the rope breaks nobody wins as in when 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 genders fight each other nobody wins uh, we, Absolutely. Get the, we get the first appearance of Brain's Mom's Ice Cream Shop which is the hangout right here instead of the Sugar Bowl I forgot to mention earlier in this episode uh, was that the first time we saw Muffy's mom? No, because in the Arthur Goes to Camp episode, she says, I don't think Muffy will need her for code. Oh. So we so we kind of get the first look at her parents there. Okay. Arthur and Francine kind of are able to, you know, speak on, on, the, on the DL to each other that they need to kind of figure something out here. And Arthur comes up with a plan <laughs> that, that involves inviting everybody. Eventually, the plan involves inviting everybody to his place and holding, like, a joint birthday. A plan so good that Arthur's dad says, I wish I thought of it. Right. (laughs) So they go on this Assassin's Creed side mission of delivering letters without being seen. It's like Arthur in the guise of Ezio himself delivering them without being seen so that nobody knows the ulterior motive. Two episodes with Arthur required to be stealthy in a row. We had a lot of Arthur stealth last episode, Mm -hmm. and he's getting pretty good at this. Yeah, he's not bad. So then we go back to where the beginning of the episode came in, and Arthur and Francine are at Muffy's. Uh, I did laugh at the uh, Arthur was about to cross the threshold to go to the mailbox, and Francine says, duck, and one of the workers comes out and is like, (laughs) (laughs) That is really good. And that's when I noticed all the workers were ducks. But now that's not so 
suspicious now that I know, oh, it's probably like a family business. So I laughed at it. Uh, just a weird little nitpick with me here. Um, so in the very beginning, uh, Muffy's mother says, Muffy, why don't you go check the mail? And she says, okay, maybe there's something for me. Then when they go back to the scene, it's uh, Muffy says, maybe I got more presents. So like weird alternate dialogue. Yeah, that's a weird continuity error because you'd think because it's animation, they would have just used the dialogue from earlier so they didn't have to record more lines. Good catch. That's so, strange. Arthur completes the mission. He hides in the barrels of grass. In <laughs> that is very but, Assassin's Creed. Yeah, very much so. He might as well have done a swan dive into them. So we go back to Arthur's place where we're getting ready for the birthday. Arthur's family is there. Arthur's grandmother. Arthur's uh, family all the way from Ohio, including Vampire Kid. That's right. Vampire Kid is back. And we get this moment where he gives Arthur a chemistry set for his birthday. Yeah. And Arthur's like really disappointed by it. It's like even Arthur, Mr. Reed himself, is like, man, this guy's kind of a loser. Well, it was either that or like he says, guess what it is. And Arthur's not sure. And then he immediately blurts out, it's a chemistry set. And then he's like, oh, okay. Well, it's like. I, I never I wasn't sure if that was like oh bad present or like well why would you make me guess if you're just gonna yell it out you know what I mean yeah also they mm. get that maple syrup from Ohio now is, we're Canadian right is Ohio famous for maple syrup so this is what I want to talk to you about we're Canadian yes. of course Canada up north famous for its maple syrup of course Ohio as well because it's in the American Northwest it's one of the it's you know Cleveland Cincinnati one of the things it's famous for Cincinnati is famous for its chili. Cleveland's famous for LeBron James from being there, but Ohio as a state, famous for its trees and its uh, its maple syrup that comes from oh, said okay. maple trees. I didn't know that. Very, very good. Uh, and they, they bring him some as a gift. Also, something that only happens when you're a kid, and for me didn't even, like dressing up to the nines for your birthday. Yeah, I like, enjoyed- that was That was weird. Arthur was like in his- his spelling bee best. Yeah, his powder blue suit. That's one of my favorite parts of this episode. You know me. I love looking at all the characters' alt costumes. The sea right attires. Uh, and we got a ton this episode. We did. We got the, oh, all of their formal wear, which was which was really weird to me. And as as and like quite frankly, even if you're a kid, like dressing, having to dress up in a formal wear for your birthday, you can keep it. For all I care. Yeah, that is a little strange. Like as a for kid. me personally, like yeah. seeing them dress up is is cool. It's just like for me personally, no way. I'm wearing whatever I want. It's my birthday. Buster, like in this episode, wears an outfit that's like that's just like an outfit I have. Yeah, like a like sl- he's wearing something that I wear. Yeah, like he's got like, once a week. Yeah, he's got like pretty much what you got on right now, like sweater. <laughs> Sweater and slacks. But, like, I have, like, the exact same blue sweater. It's just funny. But, like, <laughs> and everybody's got different hairstyles, too. Even Binky's wearing a tie. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Everybody hides, and then Muffy shows up, and... Uh, right before that, yeah. um, this is where I learned a pinch to grow an inch. Ah, yes, DW, uh, because uh, Arthur's mom gives him birthday kisses, Grandma Thor gives him birthday hugs, and DW says, and a pinch to grow an inch. So I was aware at that point of, like, birthday beatings, Elementary school was harrowing on your birthday. You had to avoid the troubled students because right. they always made sure you got your birthday beatings. But Arthur is where I learned, and a pinch to grow an inch. Which DW terrorizes him with briefly. So Muffy shows up, and they all throw a surprise party, which she's okay with. Like, there's no problem at all. No kickback on this at all. Muffy's just perfectly happy to have her birthday here. 
Which uh, is a little strange because what happened to the rock band in Pickles, eh? Right, right. They so, were uh, booked so a month in advance. Are uh, they just waiting at Muffy's house? Yeah, they never really confirm if like if if they're all going to go back there, like to kind of continue the party. Well, Muffy like... says later on. She says next. Uh, no, no. Arthur's parents say next time, next, next year, year we'll, we'll have it at your more. house. So Arthur says, "What's a birthday party without all of your friends?" Which I was like, "Get out of here, vampire kid. Nobody cares about you." <laughs> <laughs> Like he's, he's nobody's friend. Vampires in Ohio? I think mm. I didn't read that Anne Rice novel. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so, of course, they have some party games. They do a, they do a hula, which Kate wins, and that's really cute. Uh, then they have a pinata, and it's a bit of a debacle because they cannot seem to get it to crack. I've never I never had a pinata at a birthday or even went to a birthday with a pinata. Once one of my most embarrassing birthday memories is that I had a pinata, and it was like a frog or something, and it was really cute. And then I got sad and cried when my friends busted oh, it open because I felt bad for the cute pinata. That's too bad. We should have got a pinata of something I didn't like at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. Well, it kind of makes but... me. It, it makes me want to get one now because, like, I've just I've never had a pinata, and I don't know. Like from seeing it here, it's like, are they really that hard to bust open? Like so the. The ones I don't know if you got a genuine Mexican pinata if it's made out of different material, but the ones you get at like party stores around here, I've actually been to quite a few birthdays that had pinatas, especially when I was a kid. Okay, uh, and they would actually bust open fairly easy. Well, Usually, well, what people do is the the hard part of getting a pinata open isn't the physical strength required to bust it open. It's the fact that usually you're blindfolded, and so it's actually hitting the pinata when you can't see is right. the difficult part. But the joke here is is that the pinata is so hard to get open. Arthur's dad makes it his personal mission to bust open this pinata. Brings First, it, he uses a the, uh, the baseball bat. Uh, does he use yeah? He uses the then baseball he brings bat. Out, then he brings out the hammer. Then he brings out the hammer, and he's just whacking at it. And then we'll see. Some of his other methods later on. Well, there's one There's one great one to end off the episode. Yeah, so Muffy is completely fine with this and says thank you. And Francine gets Arthur to open his presents. And Arthur's plan was actually very good. Uh, earlier he said that they won't have to play spin the bottle because he will do the recycling that morning so that there will no, be no bottles in the house. But Francine planned for this and and got him an empty bottle for a present. And then pretty she, bunk present, TBH. Yeah, for, for real. I hope she had a backup. So she says, "Let me show you how it works." So I think she knows full well what comes in to spin the bottle. It's just a little strange. I like your theory about because we get introduced to Francine's older sister in yeah, the next to, episode to, to Catherine, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Of Francine either overheard her sister talking about it, right. or because that's a thing you want to be like your older siblings. Yeah. What they think is cool, you think is cool. So I could see. That making the most sense. Mm. Otherwise, this is strange. But it ends. But it's like the best possible ending. Like she spins the bottle and it lands on Pal, and he gives her. He gives her like it's like a. And then we cut to the outside. Our final ending shot is Arthur's dad going to the pinata with his chainsaw. To no avail, mind you. Well, we we don't know. It it, it fades to black right as he begins to cut into it. So we'll, we'll, ne- we'll never know what what really happened. So that's Arthur's birthday. And now a word from us kids. I didn't see it this episode, so I'm excited to hear uh, what it was like. This one was cute. Uh, it was um, – what they did was they went to a, an elementary class, and that day they were celebrating everybody's birthday so that no one will be left out. That sounds like some millennial BS, Will. That sounds like some participation awards hey, if on, I ever heard hey, one. Hey, on the real, like if 
if we did this at my school, then I wouldn't have been left out because my birthday is in August. We never celebrated it Aww. during the year. But and we we celebrated other people's birthdays, just not mine. So I would have loved this. And I thought that was a cute thing to do. They just had uh, the the kids kind of reading out birthday cards that they made to each other. They're, re- they're really uh, awkward in front of the camera, but in you know an endearing way because, of course uh, – it's hard to be natural in front of the camera, especially when you're like eight years old. And the I really wish you had seen this because the music in this is like really nuts. Like some guy is wailing on a kazoo. It's like the background music is just like. Like they're really heavy wah-wahs on this music. Uh, that sounds like just from hearing your mouth sounds, it sounds like some kind of weird Captain Beefheart album or something <laughs> like I would have to go back and listen to that. Now I'm intrigued. Well, well, I'll put it right here in the episode so you can listen to it. I just watched the episode of The Office where uh, Michael leaves the office and he puts Jim in charge. And they're in birthday month. So, like, three people in the office have birthdays that month. Yeah. And so Jim gets the bright idea. While he has this temporary power, he decides to put everybody's birthday on the same day so they could celebrate it, get it all out of the way. Mm. But as he soon learns, this is a uh, – a terrible plan because everybody wants a different cake. Everybody wants something different. They all get really angry and upset. And he says, okay, we're not going to do birthday month anymore. And at the end of the episode, Michael comes back and he goes, oh, so you tried to do all the birthdays at the same day. Rookie mistake. (laughs) I I tried that 10 years ago and it never works. So (laughs) that's what you telling me about everybody's birthday on the same day reminded me of. But it worked out pretty well. They all had cupcakes and it it was totally fine. Okay, so the second episode, it is Francine Frensky Superstar, which I could not remember what it was until the opening shot, and then it all came back to me, because I was trying to remember, like, what this entailed. I, I got a kick out of the opening, because it's Mr. Ratburn in, like, a, in the darkened school auditorium as he's watching the kids audition, and we just have Buster on the stage, single spotlight, just doing this awful dance to this, like, rinky piano music. He's kind of, like, half nay-naying. <laughs> Like he's almost Buster. He's, he's just kind of doing a simple two-step. Like, that's what I'm saying. Buster almost, almost invented the nene. He's not doing anything with his hands really, so it can't really be a nene. But he's almost there, Buster. Ahead of his time, that kid. Okay. Arthur goes into a bit of Ferris Bueller narration about how uh, uh, Francine uh, has never really had the best parts in the school plays, which is what this is all about. Buster played George Washington. She was the cherry tree that George Washington chopped down. Francine taking a monster bump for Buster off of this plastic axe that he uses. Like, Buster takes a swing, and she, like, jumps 10 feet in the air and, <laughs> like, does a back bump. It's crazy. Well, I think, actually, Buster was probably putting his, like, full—I don't think there was any gimmick to that uh, axe whatsoever. I mean, it was a gimmicked axe. It was obviously not, like, a real axe. But I think Buster was putting, like, all the force he could muster behind it. I think he legitimately knocked her over. Yeah, really. Almost knocked her silly. Then uh, Francine was Sir Isaac Newton, but— had a bit of trouble because Arthur was only supposed to drop one apple, and then I, I thought that I thought this was funny. I got a good laugh out of it of just him dropping all of the apples in the bucket, and then Arthur himself falls on her. And the joke is that Francine keeps going ow because she keeps getting hit. And then like one time she was the symbol, and it, that involved more head trauma, basically. I like how uh, the implication is that all these plays are educational, like. They could have done a thing in this episode where they 
used a super famous play uh, like Cyrano or or a Shakespeare play or like interesting that your first play was Cyrano, uh, Phantom of the Opera, something like that, like right. really pop culture. But I thought it was interesting that they use all these really famous historical moments mm. as the uh, inspiration for these plays. I think it's an interesting idea because like it's it would take a lot of work for a school to come up with an original script to perform these historical moments. But they seem like really short plays, mm-hmm. and they seem like they're as much for the younger classes as they are. For the adults, as we'll learn later on, and I think it's an interesting opportunity to teach kids something. For sure. Uh, were you ever in a school play, Will, in your youth? No. It's. I think it's a combination of. The, for a long time, I don't think we had plays at my at my school's level, and then when there was in like junior high, I was way too shy. Thinking back on it, I kind of wish that I had, but I I don't feel like I really missed anything. Uh, we did like whenever there was a musical. Like the most I would do was we would get all like everybody in the grade together and we would do like a song that like, we would like a Christmas concert. Sure, yeah, yeah. That, and that was about it. But I was never in a school play. How about you? I was President Roosevelt in Annie. Ooh! So I got to sit in the wheelchair, and I'm sure I was doing a horrible job because this did was you, elementary school. Did you get to have the cigarette holder and everything? I do not believe so. Oh, that's I too think bad. they just put me in a sports coat and put me in a wheelchair, and I bet I was doing a horrible job selling the part too because I bet I was like kicking my leg. Eggs, right. spinning around, doing wheelies. I'd love to and see- I had like two lines. I don't if that, uh, but it was a fun time. I'd love to see Lucas Mancini, young Lucas Mancini <laughs> as Dr. Strangelove. Ooh. Mind Fuhrer, I can walk. We we go into the episode proper. Ed, for some reason, Francine gets on her football pads as she goes on for our audition and then immediately gets hit or falls over or something to end the kind of preamble. And we get into the proper episode. Uh, everybody is starting off the day with a few simple math problems, whereas over in Mrs. Sweetwater's class, they're getting fat on donuts. They're yeah. so- those kids are soft. Ratburn's preparing them for the real world, and Mrs. Sweetwater, she's fattening them up. I was going to say soft in more ways than one, no now kidding. that you mention it. But this is not good for children. They're going to have a sugar crash yep. later in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. They're going to be tired. It's going to be harder for them to focus. Yep. All around, this is a bad idea. Also, they're not learning anything. Also, that's what I'm saying is that low-key, like from from a parent's perspective, Ratburn's your best choice. I'll tell you what, though. It did make me want a donut. Sure. Nice plain donut that you can get at the grocery store. Mm. Have that Have that for your... Uh, have that for your breakfast. Make you feel like a real scumbag. Put some of that Ohio maple syrup on it. Oops, you know what okay, I'm saying. Okay, let's not go nuts here. <laughs> Mr. Ratburn says that it's their turn to put on the class play, and it goes around for suggestions. Now, you want to talk about your Lovecraftian horror. <laughs> Spooktober has returned! <laughs> yes. So we get uh, Sue Ellen's pitch for a story is a spooky one with thunder and lightning and a giant monster made of slime that gets his arms pulled off. Not slime, mucus. Mucus, excuse me. And and for a visual, she transforms into this giant mucus monster, and it's quite the sight. It's like a a Dark Souls enemy. Yeah, it's very, uh, like, D&D... Gelatinous cube esque. Yeah. If you've ever looked at the old D and D monster at manuals, the gelatinous cube or Dark Souls is a great example. Uh, and like the animation of her arms falling off, you could tell the animators had fun because they put a ton of detail. Into yeah, this it looks great. Kind of small sight gag to which, to which she gets a, a standing applause from Binky. Though Mr. Rapper goes. Mm. 
too complicated. That's that's his kind of thing, and he, did, he kind of shoots down an idea from the brain of that too. And I think he's just thinking of I think he's thinking of pure production value at this point. Well, like, also because the brain suggests, why don't we simulate space travel? Which, uh, yeah, Mister Rapper, <laughs> I agree with you. Sounds a little complicated to me. Like the brain is channeling his inner Stanley Kubrick. We're gonna fake the moon landing <laughs> on the uh, Elwood City stage here. But, but he but he can make rocket fuel easy. That's true. He so, can so, make rocket fuel easy. So he says. Elon Musk. <laughs> Mr. Ratburn's built-in suggestion is Thomas Edison, to which he asks, does anybody know who Thomas Edison is or what he invented? I love this exchange. Ratburn asks what he invented. Muffy says, the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> and Ratburn face palms. He says, no, that was Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> Muffy has a good excuse, though. She goes, no, oh, I thought his Dewey was his no, middle no, name. No, it's right. It's not like, haha, Muffy is stupid. It's just like Mr. Ratburn is really having – like he's having to teach them basically who Thomas Edison is. But having – like I'm sure he has a great respect and adoration for Thomas Edison. I'm just having to bring it – like break it down to basics. And Ratburn's just like they really don't know – like the, the face palm just makes this. I love it. Well, this joke keeps on going too because he goes, he invented the phonograph. Oh, this is great too because uh, – well, first of all, he says uh, – he corrects – Muffy by saying it's Thomas Alva Edison, which is how I know Thomas Edison's middle name is Alva. I yeah, not Dewey. Not Dewey. It's a real. It's a real YouTube kids react to the phonograph <laughs> because well, he has to explain them the concept of a record player in general. He says it's before CDs and it played music with a needle. And Binky says, "Is that a joke?" <laughs> It's this whole part's great because it's like one of those dang millennial videos. This is what I'm talking about. Once you give everybody the same birthday party, they start forgetting about all that great stuff from our Gen Xers childhood. Right, right. But it was really funny. Like I still remember Binky. Like to, before watching this episode, I remembered. Is that a joke? Like he, like Mr. Ratburn's fun in him. Like he's putting him on. Like the record player really exists. Yeah. If this episode happened today, Mr. Ratburn would try to explain CDs to them, and they'd be like, "What is that? Some sort of app?" It was before MP3s. Yeah. Played music with a laser. Is that like a Spotify playlist? What are you talking about? Is that a joke? So they're gonna do a play about Thomas Edison, and one by one, Francine's friends come up to her. To him, excuse me, to Mr. Ratburn, and kind of uh, stick up for her because she's never had a real, a real good part in a play, and they really would like her to be Thomas Edison. And this was so cute too, because like, yeah, very sweet. A lot of parts in Arthur, ha- there's a lot of conflict, believe it or not, in Arthur. A lot of characters who don't like each other. Arthur and D.W. are often annoyed with each other. Eh, boys versus girls, all this stuff, yeah. and it was really refreshing to have this moment where. All the kids really care about Francine, and they feel bad for her because she's had to have these crappy roles over and over and over again. Yeah, it's like they're not even organizing. They're all coming up kind of independently and asking the same thing. So it's it's nice that they kind of took notice and want something good for Francine. Buster goes to tell Mr. Rapper about this. <laughs> Mr. Ratburn has already been told by, like, six kids at this point that Francine should get a good part. Right. And so he goes, let me guess. Francine, Francine should get a good part. And Buster goes, uh, he's so smart it's scary. Yeah, it's, a great, it's a great reaction from him. Uh, before they announce the casting, Binky just saying that he's he's very good at playing inanimate objects, like the wall in Humpty Dumpty and Plymouth Rock on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, you could so, put him in as an extra in so many great plays. He could be the Great Wall of China. If you wanted to get biblical, he could be the Wall of Jericho. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he's very versatile in that way. Everybody, <laughs> everybody needs an inanimate object in a school play. If they wanted to reproduce 2000's WCW, he could be the, the wall, wall, brother. 
Yeah. yeah. That's Binky, brother. That's Binky up there, brother. B- Binky's on the top of, of the school doing the choke slam sign. Yeah, me and Gene about a mile away going, that's, that's Binky about a mile away. That's the wall, brother. That's the <laughs> <laughs> Please, if you have video editing skills, put together a That's Binky Brother video for us. It's not that long. It's like maybe three seconds. That's Binky. Like just That's yeah, just like Photoshop Binky's face in and just Hulk go, the Hulkster goes, That's Binky, brother, that's Binky, brother. <laughs> This is why I want. This is why I want to learn Photoshop or dumb stuff like this because I'll just have, I'll just have a like a really bad YouTube <laughs> screen cap of the wall doing the choke slam sign in the building and then just put Binky's head on him. No, that's an Arthur meme I could get behind for sure. One that nobody else will laugh at, guaranteed. For the part of Thomas Edison, it goes to Francine. She's and she's very excited. She's going to put one hundred and ten percent to this part. So she immediately goes to the library and asks to be referred to the Thomas Edison section. Uh, to which Miss Turner says, look in the biography, he doesn't have his own section, to which Francine blurts out, what does a man have to do to be considered important in this crummy library? And so at this point, we start to realize, oh, I see where this episode's going. Mm. Looks like Francine's going to get a little too big for her bridges here. And that's when I realized something. I said that wrong. But... (laughs) But <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Please go on. <laughs> this is what I realized. The writers of this episode, <laughs> the oh, Arthur man. writers, yes, invented time travel because oh. what they did was they got into a time machine and they fast forwarded to the far flung future of 2015, and mm-hmm. they were on the set of Suicide Squad, oh. and they watched Jared Leto's awful, awful <sighs> method acting, oh, and they said, "Guys, this will make a great Arthur episode." <laughs> yeah. So they immediately traveled back to 1996, and they made an Arthur episode about Jared Leto's terrible antics. I won't. I wouldn't doubt that, but. I'm also going to say maybe Francine's taking a bit of inspiration from Daniel Day-Lewis in My Left Foot. Real method acting stuff for a, for a tough role. So Daniel Day-Lewis, the Jared Leto of his time, but to much greater acclaim and success. Yeah, I would say I, I don't want to insult poor Daniel Day-Lewis like that. <laughs> he was never in a terrible band. Yeah, you heard me 30 Seconds to Mars. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like that. I'm calling too. you out 30 Seconds to Mars. I kind of like 30 Seconds to Mars, but that's okay. So so Francine really throwing herself into the role, real method acting because she's learning everything that Edison invented, uh, to which point she goes to a store and looks up an old school film camera that's actually using film. What a novelty <laughs> in 2016. Again, these dang millennials. Right. Like, show me a camera with film in it and I'll be like, is that a joke? Now, is that the camera that she ruins, by the way? <laughs> yeah, she exposes the film. <laughs> by accident, of course. And we get this great moment where the guy, like, he's like, look at Don't this open camera. it. You'll expose the... Film. <laughs> yeah, she's just kind of going through, and then she's looking at light bulbs, and Muffy and Prunella try to convince her to come to the mall. Not just light bulbs, Francine is studying incandescent filaments, to which Muffy says, how boring, which Francine takes umbrage at. And uh, we have another Arthur meme alert here that I've seen before. Oh, I haven't seen this one. Well, it's 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 just the, the insult in full, where uh, Francine says, without light, you'd have to shop in the dark. Oh, looks like you already do. To which that is some sick 
burn. I was just going to say, that's probably the most savage thing we've seen so thus far in Arthur. It's unrelenting. It's that, so mean. Like, to think that just a few episodes ago, the biggest insult was, oh, you look like a marshmallow. This is like many... Many. This, this isn't just like sideways. In this isn't just side eyeing someone's wardrobe. You are calling them out. It's it's that's some, the wall. It's some B rabbit level stuff where <laughs> you're just you're just burning somebody so bad they have no response. They for, just got to get off the stage. She just cries and runs away for good reason. Well, well, you talk about Francine getting too <laughs> too big for her bridges. Uh. I'm sorry, like, it's, I'm not, uh, just, that sounds really funny to me. And All this talk of, of the wall, I had architecture on the braid, <laughs> I guess. As much as I can, I'm going to try and use, like, beyond this podcast, I'm going to try to use too big for their bridges. Mm. It makes me laugh, like, it, uh, yeah, it yeah. brings me great joy. I'm not laughing at you, I just think that that's a really funny mistake. <laughs> Francine, in class, dares to call out Mr. Ratburn on being wrong. This is so great. I love the way that the kids perceive Mr. Ratburn and the way we look at Mr. Ratburn with hindsight. And yes. what I mean is is that, like, a lot of times when you're, as a kid, in the moment, teachers are the most authoritarian. They're untouchable. Evil, uh, 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 slave-driving, like... S- but also, like, sources of knowledge. Like, they are... Yeah, yeah. You, you S, per- they are S tier. You perceive them as like this thing that is on this ivory tower above you, looking down. Uh, they're always right, beyond repro- beyond reproach, beyond question. And the, yeah, they're the alpha and the omega. Right. So this is a great bit where the, Francine is challenging God Himself <laughs> in doing this. That's right. She's very Lutheran in that sense. <laughs> she's, she's nailing her theses to the wall, and they're saying that Edison didn't call them light bulbs until much later. Well, yeah, he, that's the actual thing is, like, what she actually brings up isn't really correcting it's, Mr. Rapper. It, yeah, it's kind she's of, kind of channeling her inner, well, actually. Yeah, it's a real well, actually. But, but at the same time, like, I kind of liked it because everybody in the class is horrified, but I kind of noticed that Mr. Rapper is almost a little – a little happy that she corrected him of just like, huh, good one. Well, Francine like, was never fair the most, play to you. She was never the most book smart, right? So, yeah. So if the like, brain came up and said, oh, it's an indes- indes- yeah. incandescent yeah. filament. Yeah, whatever. So, but yeah, no, I, I, I really, I really like that moment. And we kind of get bits and pieces here and there of Francine's directing style. And it reminds me of an episode of Community where uh, the dean of the school is directing a. Uh, just a simple 30-second commercial and ends up becoming this uh, Kubrickian horror of just over-budget, over-complicated, and it really is kind of Francine doing the same thing. Yeah, the uh, person gets a sliver of power, and then they go mad with patter. Oh, I really can't talk mad tonight. With I'm still mad about the Bridges thing, and it's throwing me up. No, <laughs> uh, they, people going mad with just a slither of power is a pretty common like TV trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, it seems... It may even be an actual TV trope. With people putting on stage productions... And people putting on, like, if someone has to film a video in a TV show, this happens every time in one of those episodes. <laughs> yeah, really. The town has to get together and put a play together. Oh, the director's going to go crazy with power. For sure. Gordo uh, gets a credit card in that one episode of Lizzie McGuire, and he puts, like, <laughs> two grand on it. <laughs> Gordo, what are you thinking? You're going to be in debt for the rest of your life, my man. Your credit score is kaput. Credit card debt follows you, son. Some of the examples are that, you know, Buster is going to be a light bulb, but... 
Francine objects to him having air holes because incandescent lamps did not have that. But, of course, Buster needs it to breathe. Which I actually never thought about. But, of course, lamps wouldn't work if they didn't have air holes. They have gas. You could tell either two things. Either in America they learn a lot more about Thomas Edison than we do in Canada. Or the writers really did their due diligence because they drop as much Edison knowledge as they can. It's really educational in that sense. I I think it's probably... A little bit of both, because I feel like American history is a separate class in uh, American classrooms, mm-hmm. whereas whereas in he- Canada, you wouldn't really necessarily have that. It would just kind of be more of a general, fall under the general umbrella of social studies. That's right. You say Thomas Edison, we say Alexander Graham Bell. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Over uh, the over the ocean, across the water. The first time. The ever. first time ever. Oh, don't don't even start with the the, the world very, you will grow up in is very, very different. A lot different than the one I grew up in. <laughs> you know where England is? Sure, it's over there, and over there is where that sound is coming from. Right, Mister Marconi? Throw the air across the ocean. The first time ever. Don't even come to me. I could do a whole. Come on, Vince. Come on. Do you wanna? Do you want? Add that to the Patreon. Many podcast episodes of That's Canadian right. Heritage Moments. It only takes like 73 minutes to watch them all. I would love to watch those with At you. least once a year, my girlfriend and I get drunk and be like, let's watch all of the, his- the, the Heritage Moments right and now. And they keep making new ones, and the new ones are legitimately, ones are- unironically fantastic. They're so good, right? I almost shed a tear about the, uh, I think, the Winnipeg Falcons. Is that what the team's called? Um, it's not, the one where the whole hockey team gets drafted into World War One. Gut-wrenching stuff. They fit a whole, like, basically Band of Brothers arc in one minute of Canadian educational television. The recent one, the recent one about the lady who was uh, persecuted at, and who was in the movie theater. And, was, and that's right here in our home province, Nova yeah, Scotia. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that one affected me, too. Like, they're really good. And, like, even the old ones, I think. I think a lot of them are really good. It's just kind of we saw them when we were kids, and we remember more of the images and icons more than we remember the actual meaning. Because like, uh, I remember the words, but I did not remember what a lot of them meant. Uh, if you're an American, you don't know what we're talking about. They're Canadian heritage moments. They're federally funded, uh, basically educational moments. You can look them all up on YouTube. You would find uh, you would find them. Uh, you would find them at like his. They I think they're called the Historica. Heritage moments, if you can, heritage minutes, I think heritage minutes, called. and you could find a playlist of every single one. Like, trust me, they are worth your time, even if you don't know anything about Canadian history. And we're saying this at both like they are, you know, I think they uh, were in the right place. Like looking back on them, I was my, just going to say I don't want to go on too long of a tangent, but some of them are still legitimately hold up. Some of them are yo, some of those are terrible, my dude. The so, one, no, some of them are super cheesy, but that's like they, it makes them even better. If you go back and watch that Viking Ghosts one, it's got basically the same production values as the cutscenes from the start of Mist, and <laughs> it is terrible. Yeah, and it's also awesome yeah, at you, the same time. Yeah, you can't tell what the heck's going on. In the that one, one where they seal that CGI First Nations demon oh, in the that tree. One. I saw that all the time. The Great Beast still has power. Yo, go back and watch that. That's some pre-reboot CGI. It's wild. Yeah, it's great. There's one with where like Dan Aykroyd is in it for like literally five seconds. It's, no way. He's, it's in the uh, the Avro Arrow one. It's just like, oh, that's Dan Aykroyd. We'll see ya. There's another one where Pierce Brosnan is playing an Indian. Well, it's that's that one's because they ripped that from a movie. There's a movie where Pierce Brosnan plays an Indian. Oh, okay. And so they ripped because I was like, how 
in the world did we get Pierce Brosnan for Canadian Heritage Minutes? That's well, crazy. Yeah, you know what? You continue with the episode for a okay. quick second. Sure I got to I this is killing me. I got to look up that right, Pierce right, Brosnan right. movie where he plays the first name. So, Francine, back to Arthur. Uh, another thing is that Arthur's going to be a phonograph, but she insists that he wear his bell all the time, but he doesn't want to because it makes everything echo. And uh she also has more issues with, you know, the costuming and kind of really ends up having issues with basically everybody's role in the in the play. And nobody's really having any fun. And it's kind of the the message is that it's turning into Francine's production rather than something that everyone is doing, which is absolutely what a play or a production of that size is. So they all kind of meet up at the sugar bowl over milkshakes and kind of realize that they something has to be done. Pierce Brosnan played the titular Grey Owl, Grey Owl in the film Grey Owl. Okay, but was it a, like a Canadian movie too? Like was that's it what Canadian I'm trying production? to figure out right now. Grey Owl, I believe, was a Canadian figure. There is a like there is a maple leaf in the logo for the film Grey Owl. Uh, Native American culture. Oh yeah, uh, for Canada. Okay. Yeah, so Grey Owl was a famous historical Canadian figure. So. Okay. I wonder, they probably got some huge tax breaks to put mm-hmm. that movie together uh, because a lot of movies that were shot in Canada, that's the reasoning. They get assistance from the government. And especially if it had that kind of subject. So they yeah. probably were like, you could use this for Heritage Minutes. Mm-hmm. They realize that somebody has to talk to, to Francine about this whole thing. And Binky says, I could pound her. One of my favorite running Arthur jokes right behind uh, the Mr. Haney branding is Binky's solution for literally Every problem that faces him, I could pound them. Binky, the Brock Lesnar of Arthur. <laughs> so Arthur tries to talk some sense into Francine, um, but it doesn't really work. She's she's far be- past the point of seeing sense, just completely brushing off Arthur. So the first thing that they have is that they're going to do a dress rehearsal for the kindergartners, and then they have opening night where all their parents are going to be. So after Arthur's kind of brushed aside, everybody decides to go in and sabotage the play, go into business for themselves. <laughs> so uh, basically they they end up sabotaging Francine's, well, the play in many ways. Uh, and this brought up a couple of questions for me, and they uh, were soon answered in a second. But this whole time I was thinking, well, wait a minute. If they weren't sabotaging this, how was this supposed to go properly? Right. And I'll get into that in a little bit. So, yeah. So the whole play is kind of – it's one after another just vignettes of Edison introducing his uh, inventions to a group of reporters who all repeat, we don't believe it. And Seems like they left out the scene where he stole them all from Nikolai Tesla. Oh, by the way, uh, on the day of the dress rehearsal, Francine insists that Buster's air holes be plugged up. Nearly kills him. Yeah, it's morbid. It's like that saw trap from Saw Five, where the guy's head's in the cube and he can't breathe. It's like it's almost exactly like that. I would say n- uh, it's similar in some regards. I wouldn't say almost exactly, <laughs> but I understand what you're saying. But all it's just some tape over his air holes. So yeah. of course, uh, puts luckily the- Buster comes up with a solution that doesn't involve stabbing himself in the neck right. with a pen. So the first one is the phonograph, which is Arthur, who imitates, you know, like an operator, busy signal, uh, which, of course, is not what a phonograph does. Uh, the second one is Buster's the light bulb, <laughs> which he has the air holes back on and then ends up spraying Francine with a, uh, with a, like a... Water... Water... Can dister. It's like a spray can. It's like a spray spray yeah. bottle. Spray bottle. Uh, and then finally, she's uh, Francine is using her kinetoscope to film the classic black and white film, The Great Train Robbery. 
I see. I was a little confused about the great train robbery part. I'm not sure if I just wasn't paying attention or if I was writing something else down, but I was like, did Thomas Edison invent the locomotion? That can't be right. No, but he would have he would have helped to invent Invent the the film, classic yeah. film, yeah. which yeah. does exist, the great train very robbery. Very much so. so. Uh so Bing, in the in which Binky is the train and I believe it's Muffy and maybe Jenna who are the uh Tra- the train robbers and then but of course Binky the train turns the tables on them pulls his own guns on the robbers which is a really funny gag by the way yeah no I, I thought that was really good and then <laughs> and then they all do the can can dance at the end and the curtain falls on Francine and it's embarrassing for her who is not pleased about any of this no certainly not and but I gotta say I liked the ruined play I thought they, I thought it was funny I you know what as much as I it like lacked you- educational value the ruined play has some really solid punchlines. Arthur's delivery when she turns the photograph and he's like, "Please, touch, like if you have if a you touch are calling phone. from a touch tone phone, <laughs> press one now." Yeah, no, it was it was it was all pretty funny. But uh, Francine is very affected because obviously she threw herself into this role. This is this is when it all comes to a head. She says, "You ruined my show." And Arthur says, Francine, it's our show. We worked hard, too. The show belongs to all of us, which is the real message. And then Francine finally kind of gets it. And then once she admits that, then everybody kind of goes, like, agrees to do the show. And it's like, well, that was a really quick resolution. Like, I'll just, I mean, granted it, again, not very high stakes, but it just kind of took Francine to say, I'm sorry, and then they all managed to put it behind them. And she doesn't quite, she kind of learns her lesson. Yeah, a little bit. But we get a little bit at the end where she goes. Well, so, and they end up doing it for the parents, and it goes off gangbusters, and it goes great. Which still confused where, when Arthur's the phonograph, where the music comes from. Yeah, really, I I don't understand that either. I I was like, wait, because I was thinking that the whole time when they were doing the fake version, I was like, wait, so what was Arthur supposed? to was he supposed to start singing and so the second time around there's just like music is he holding the boom box gotta, gotta say also great costume design by the brain yeah who man- totally who managed to create a human-sized working light bulb in buster <laughs> and a human-sized working phonograph with arthur well i mean if the kid could make rocket fuel easy yeah this is probably no slouch probably for him. probably a piece of cake so like, like you said the uh you know francine's final line is that it's like, it took all of us to make this play. I couldn't have done it alone. But then she sneaks out from the curtain. But they couldn't have done it without me either. <laughs> Which is technically true. Well, yes. And I think that, and I think that in a sense, Francine really committed herself to this role. So uh, she was up for the task of carrying it. She just went way too far in that direction. She oversteered. I'll tell you what. I think Francine learned her lesson more than Jared Leto learned his. And I think that the Elwood City Thomas Edison play went over much better with the critics than Suicide Squad. Yeah, it didn't have all those annoying cuts in it. Uh, yeah. we, did, we didn't even see the actual play, but I guarantee you that wasn't in there. They didn't They didn't ship out the Thomas Edison play to Vancouver to be re-edited <laughs> by a trailer <laughs> editing studio. Certainly not. Well, there you have it, those two episodes. Uh, Lucas, what did you think of Arthur's birthday and Francine Frensky Superstar? Uh, I didn't have, like, a severe emotional reaction to either. I wasn't, like, thinking, oh, these are, like, two of my favorite episodes. But I'll tell you what. They were really consistent, both super fast-paced. I was never bored. And a lot of fun jokes in these ones. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? Fun jokes that weren't absurdist humor. I know me personally, I really like when Arthur gets weird. But I think this was some of the best uh, just line-to-line writing from regular high, uh, not high school, regular elementary school problems. It's Arthur at its most tame, but it's at its most tame and consistent. You know right. what I mean? 
You know, I do, because I pretty much agree with you in that I don't feel super strongly about either of these episodes. Uh, I kind of mentioned Arthur's birthday, much more light affair than a lot than some of the other episodes where, like, again, life and death have been on the line in Arthur before. But, it, you know, it's very light and the conflict is light, but that's OK. Like, it's OK because it is a show made for kids. And it, this one felt Arthur's birthday felt the most like a episode of children's TV. So. Like it doesn't it like it didn't age with me. It's just kind of something that reminded me of when I was a kid. I had fun with it. It didn't like ch- it didn't change my life or my viewing, but it did. It did. It was entertaining and it was light and it was totally fine. And I'll tell you what, like of most of these really middle of the road, low stakes episodes, this one definitely moved with a pace where I was entertained throughout. A lot of those slower, those episodes tend to be slower. I kind of check out mentally, but this episode had enough good writing in it Mm -hmm. that uh, I was engaged the whole time. And a lot of different stuff happened. And Francie and Fransky Superstar, I mean, again... Everything kind of got resolved really super quickly, and I mean, hey, they're both 10 minutes long, so it's going to get resolved quickly anyway, but like, it's, it kind of reminded me of Arthur Bounces Back in the sense of like, there was a conflict, and then it kind of got a last minute Hail Mary of a resolution, and then everything was fine, I'm like, alright. But the entertainment came in the form of just kind of Francine's different interactions, like the kind of evolution of Francine's character in this, uh, in this odd situation, and... Then everybody's reaction around, I think, really made made it interesting, and, and I thought there was some really genuinely funny lines in this. Again, not like a not a top ten favorite, but uh, definitely fun, and I would definitely go back to that one again. It's a twofold in execution because not only is the writing of Francine sort of going mad with power uh, super accurate and great, like it is, but the vocal performance from Francine's actress yes. is awesome. But she's just like berating Buster and and you know it's fine with me that he doesn't have air holes the whole thing is ridiculous but in a subdued fun way a lot a lot of uh, a lot of Francine shouting in this one which I'm sure would wear on the vocal cords so big props to her so yeah def- uh, I think we would both say uh, nothing spectacular but also uh, plenty of fun and you definitely wouldn't lose uh, wouldn't lose much in the 20 minutes it would take you to watch this episode so uh, you know pretty much recommended so there you go. It's Arthur's birthday and Francine Frensky superstar. Uh, this episode of Elwood City Limits come to a close. And next week, now this one I've been waiting for because we got the origin of, of Pal, who is a vital part of the Reed family, a small but vital part. And now we get to fill in the other blank because next week it's Arthur's baby and DW's baby, Ooh. which I'm really looking forward to because, as I remember, it, it kind of messes with the storytelling in an interesting way. And, of course, we get to see, you know, the origin of baby Kate. And there's a new baby in my life, not mine, my sister's, my niece. So I'm I'm, I'm interested to kind of look at it in the sense of, like, I'm, I'm interested to look at it as, again as an adult. And I'm really excited to cover that episode. It's another great opportunity to teach a lesson that everybody needs to learn about mm-hmm. when you're in a family and all of a sudden your family's gotten bigger, how to deal with that, especially as a kid. It's a very important thing to learn. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I also forgot to mention uh, the debut of Catherine, uh, Francine's That's sister. Right. She's got a dope leather jacket. I am digging Catherine's 90s grunge Je- style. Jean jacket. Yeah. Jean jacket. Right. Sorry. But uh, she's got a cool, like, almost punkish style. That's, that's right. You know, now that you mention it, she would have been a teenager right around the time that that grunge was still kind of in. Like, I think at this point, 1996, 
it was kind of on its way out, and pretty soon we would be getting into the more pop era of the late '90s. Mm-hmm. But the, the grunge would have been still like you would have still had your Soundgarden, Pearl Jam would have been past its like, past their stride, but still in like their their sophomore years. Uh, you would have been a little bit past Nirvana, but they still would have been in the national conversation. Definitely would have been listening to Bush. This is right in the prime Bush years. This don't ever change your mind. All my all my '90s bands impressions eventually just turned into a bad Creed impression. They're all kind of the same. Arms wide open. Um, I'm it, now I'm picturing like a bunny. I'm, I'm picturing like a bunny Kurt Cobain, like little droopy ears. Mm. I feel like I want to see an arthritis Kurt Cobain. That's my second assignment. <laughs> that after you finish with the binky bee in the wall. That's the most important. That's number That's one. That's definitely on the, high on the list. That's number one with a with a literally balance. high on the list. He's high up on that building. Exactly. That's Binky brother. That's Binky up there, brother. That's Binky Barnes on the, <laughs> on the top of that building. That's Binky brother. <laughs> this camera's got to zoom in so much because he's so far away. Why did you think that was a good idea, Vince Russo? Why? If you want to know what we're talking about, YouTube search WCW and the That's wall. the wall. That's yeah. the wall. It's the first thing that comes up. <laughs> Thank you once again for joining us for Elwood City Limits. It's great to be back. Uh, great to be back on the saddle again. Hoping to continue, keep it keep it 100, keep it regular. I'm feeling and refreshed. We both are. And uh, again, best ways to support this podcast. I'll go through them real quick. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. On Twitter, we are at ECL Podcast. Uh, Facebook is a great way to keep up with what episodes we're doing week to week and, of course, uh, acknowledgments and links and that sort of thing. Twitter is right now where we uh, like to retweet our favorite Arthur memes or just uh, post pictures and that sort of stuff, uh, that kind of fun stuff. You can listen to us on SoundCloud if you like. Give us a like over there and uh, uh, provide the link. It's a great way for us to determine how much the, uh, the podcast is listened to because we can't exactly get the metrics from iTunes. But speaking of iTunes, another great way for us to get noticed, as Lucas mentioned at the top of the episode, is to rate and review us on iTunes. That is the biggest one right now. If you would like us to be on any more services, if there's anything that you would like us to improve on, if there's any kind of feedback that you would like to provide us, the final way to get in touch is also very important. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Send us an email, and we would love to read it on the show, which we will. iTunes reviews and emails, we will read them on the show. And, of course, if you have any uh, created content that you would like to share with us, whether it's about the podcast or whether it's about Arthur in general, we will definitely share it on our social media. That's right. We got one, uh, I think, either last week or the week before. Uh, Listener Jenna had Photoshopped uh, or MS Paint Shop, I'm not exactly sure, but I was talking about the Darnie Darko extra bunny, the gray bunny that shows up in the That's background right. at the Sugar Bowl, and we actually got uh, a Photoshop of that bunny's face on the bunny from Donnie Darko. So perhaps we could call that extra bunny Frank. Maybe that could be a potential name. I like that. All right. So there you have it. Uh, Lucas, anything else you want to say? Ooh, Ohio. For Lucas Mancini, this is Will Young. Thanks again for listening to Elwood City Limits. We're out, but not for too long. I don't know what that is. Oh, up there. That's on top of of the hotel. That's about 15 stories in the air. Look at that. That's the wall. Maybe the wall will choke slam Hogan from the top of the hotel. They won't.
If you want some, come get some. That's the wall up there, brother. 